Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Hey, Tunes and Tumblers fam. Before we get to the show today, we actually have something we've never done before. We have a, uh, a new sponsor daddy that we need to promote um, it, it was a it was a hard uh, fought war, but we decided that we needed to start doing ads now. Because why was that, Ryan? Why, why do we need to do ads? The biggest thing is that we've been trying to save up for a um, a Greyhound bus ticket for Drew to go find his cockatoo that he left behind at a station in um, Paris, Texas. So the way you can help us out and help Drew get back his his beloved cockatoo <laughs> is. <laughs> By checking out Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the way that we distribute our podcasts, and it's the easiest way to make one. Uh, Pedro, what is great about Anchor? Oh, my God. What's not great about Anchor? It's free. You have no excuses. It is free. I don't care what your financial status is. It is free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer in case, you know, you suck at editing, or maybe you've had a few too many drinks and... You need some help. They can do it for you. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. You just sit back and it will throw it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And the best part is you can make money with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need in one place. If it's your first time and you want to get into the podcast game, this is how you do it. Yeah, so download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Please, please, this Greyhound bus ticket will not buy itself. Hello and welcome to Tunes and Tumblr's Century Club by Atwood Magazine, your weekly shot of what's new in music. Be sure to give both Atwood and Tunes and Tumblr's a like, subscribe, and share wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Anthony, and as of today, my 40 days of sobriety are over. Or they would be if I didn't cheat a couple of weeks back. (laughs) So, in keeping with the arbitrariness of my yearly purge, I've moved my Easter Sunday to next Friday. Don't tell me I can't do that. I do what I want. In the meantime, (laughs) I will sit here and look on enviously as my co-host down yet another quarantine craft shot to commemorate a new release. I'll pretend these shots of water I have lined up are just as good. Please enjoy responsibly. This week on Century Club, we're also joined by a very special guest. Pop singer Lisa Heller will be sitting down with us at the end of the show to premiere her new single, Red Flags, a cutoff her forthcoming summer EP, Is Anyone Listening? She'll share a personalized cocktail pairing with us and discuss how the song came to life. Red Flags hit streaming services this Friday, April 9th, but we have your first listen here. Of course, we all know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I invited a couple of friends from my Adam Levine fan club to sit down and talk about the other artists we love, and they are... Adam Levine fan club. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Ryan, your music connoisseur. Oh, God, I'm Pedro, your mixologist. <laughs> and Adam Levine fan, apparently. Yeah, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a t-shirt that actually has all his tattoos on it. 
like place oh in their head spot right <laughs> is now. Is that a thing? Can we get that? No, but we can, can make we it a thing. <laughs> yes. Or an apron, an apron with all of and, them. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining me once again, guys. And I'm sorry I outed you as the biggest Adam Levine and Maroon 5 fans on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite sure what happened there, but I guess it's all right. <laughs> it's yeah, been it's established. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's time we got to the show. Let's swing by the news desk and find out what happened in the world of music this week. First up, a bit of bad news for Rough Riders everywhere. Earl Simmons, better known to the world as DMX, is on life support following a heart attack. Rolling Stone reports that the renowned rapper was taken to a New York hospital Friday night following a reported drug overdose. His attorney, Murray Richmond, confirmed that he is currently on life support and in grave condition. Two sources added that he is in a, quote, vegetative state or has, quote, some brain activity. At the time of this recording, the prognosis doesn't look good, but those close to Simmons remain optimistic. His rep made a statement on Saturday saying that Earl has been a warrior his entire life. The situation represents yet another road he must conquer. The hip-hop community has lent Simmons and his family their support, with many including Missy Elliott, Chance the Rapper, and SZA taking to Twitter to voice their hopes for his swift recovery. At this time, though, we can only wait and see. We at Tunes and Tumblers and Atwood Magazine have our fingers crossed that this story has a happy ending. Not the most uplifting of events to begin our show with. Um, Can either of you guys turn this around? Yeah, I certainly can. So this one comes from NPR. A number of musicians, interviewers, and frogs behind various recordings (laughs) will be inducted into the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry this Wednesday. Library of Congress announced 25 titles picked this year are considered audio treasures worthy of preservation based on their cultural, historical, and aesthetic importance to the nation's heritage. Janet Jackson's album Rhythm Nation 1814, Louis Armstrong's performance of When the Saints Go Marching In, Patti LaBelle's Lady Marmalade, Nas's record Illmatic, Cool in the Gang Celebration, and Kermit the Frog's The Rainbow Connection are now part of the collection of more than 550 other titles. Big one for Kermit. The recordings, stretching from 1878 to 2008, were chosen out of 900 nominations from the public. This American Life is the first podcast to join the registry. 2008 episode co-produced with NPR News tells the story of a subprime mortgage crisis. The inclusion of Kermit the Frog's Rainbow Connection deeply touched the Muppet. He went on to say, Well, gee, it's an amazing feeling to officially become part of our nation's history, Kermit said in a statement. It's a great honor, (laughs) and I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled <laughs> to be the first frog on this list. <laughs> I didn't read that sentence before, though. Me, I should say it in a Kermit, Kermit Defrag's voice. Well, uh, gee, it's an amazing feeling. Maybe that's oh. an inappropriate to follow the DMX news, but there you have it. We need some we positivity. Need fluff. Yes, we need fluff uh. to keep our spirits lifted. Now I have my sights set on getting our podcast into the Library of Congress. Now that I know that that can happen um should we cover you know not the subcrime subcrime subprime mortgage okay i'm gonna stop trying to say that word uh maybe our our like covid19 episodes maybe like our quarantunes and tumblr scott pilgrim episode deserves to be in the library of congress yeah maybe we could start we'll just start uh petitioning for it yep we'll buy a, a billboard on um sunset boulevard and just leave it up without context for years and years and years <laughs> i like it what do you got pedro Oh, so Bonnaroo announced a lineup for two, for this year. Um, festivals are coming back, it seems. At least Bonnaroo is. So they announced their lineup for their festival in September, September 2nd through the 5th. And this will be the 20th year of the festival. 
Other festivals such as Lollapalooza or Coachella have yet to announce anything. It seems like they're probably canceled still for this year. But Bonnaroo's pushing forward pretty optimistically, I gotta say. Uh, they've got a lineup including Foo Fighters, Megan Thee Stallion, Lizzo, Tame Impala, Tyler the Creator, Lana Del Rey, and plenty of other artists. Um, tickets are already on sale. And they do say that there will be uh, extra health precautions, and they, quote, intend to abide by relevant recommendations to ensure safe and enjoyable festivals. According to the website, a COVID-19 warning section says that the organizers have taken enhanced health and safety measures for everyone and reminds everyone that there's just straight up an inherent risk of exposure in any public spaces where people are present. The idea of a festival coming back is kind of cool, but it still makes me nervous. But we'll see how things go. A lot can change. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. Bonnaroo's, Bonnaroo's trying something out. We'll see if it works for them. Maybe they're moving forward with the uh, the notion that it will be canceled, and they've just thrown names onto a poster. <laughs> just... <laughs> it's possible. They're actually also getting into like the whole NFT thing. Have you guys heard about that? Oh my god, yes. I've gotten so, so many emails about like artists releasing exclusive one of like first of their kind nfts yeah for auction yep okay so they're releasing a one-of-a-kind nft uh po- like lineup poster uh by digital artist arshan nair um so they're getting into that as well so i'm sure clubhouse will be uh lighting up about that um <laughs> are you on clubhouse pedro i'm not i've been told a lot about it but i'm not on there it i I don't know i don't know exactly what it is and the idea stresses me out but it's also something that (laughs) intrigues me (laughs) it's basically just a conference call with a bunch of people you don't know right that sounds terrible it sounds terrifying (laughs) it's fucking terrible I'm going to get an account purely just to go on and brag that I spent $15,000 on a JPEG of a uh, Bonnaroo poster This is yeah. how collectors of the future are getting their art, except you can't exhibit that it anywhere. Yeah, it's, you know. it's an interesting concept, but mm. we'll see what Blockchain. happens. Don't know anything about it, and <laughs> I, don't tend, or I don't intend to change that. Yeah. <laughs> Not eager to learn. Yep. Uh. <laughs> well, with that, there's no more news today. Absolutely none. I'm pretty sure we've covered literally everything going on in the world. Um, (laughs) So who wants to put on a song and do shots to celebrate? Let's do it. Ryan, do you have a new tune for us to shake our luscious asses to? (laughs) Uh, Certainly. We are listening to The Melting of the Sun, the latest single from St. Vincent's forthcoming album, Daddy's Home, out this May on Loma Vista Recordings. Great choice. I was wondering when we'd get around to covering Annie Clark. Uh, she's such a powerhouse in the indie world, and really it was only a matter of time. And I'm really stoked for her new album, and I can't wait to dive into this entry point right here. Pedro, do you have a little pairing to melt the sun for us? Yeah, I've got a little shot here, um, and it's called A Melted Sun, because obviously. Um, so what it is, is it's a little bit of grenadine mixed with uh, some Malibu, because she does mention that in her song. Uh, peach schnapps oj and pineapple juice um so it's got a nice uh you know red to orange to yellow glow to it and then just topping it with a little bit of uh of colored uh whipped cream a little dyed whipped cream just to give it some light color some blue and some green sort of modeled after the uh the video where she like her face is in the middle of the sun and it's got all the uh-huh. the multicolored rays around her i really oh, yeah. like i really liked that um so yeah this is a melting sun shot nice and sweet um and delicious 
sounds like it. This is my last show before I can partake. Well, actually, I technically speaking, because I'm sure we're still going to be on Zoom a week from now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. Uh, now, in the words of a boogie with the hoodie, let's get into it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> in the words of so many people. Yeah, I had to I love choose that you chose one. This <laughs> <laughs> is her first track since, what was it, 2017, 2018's record, Mass Seduction, uh, one of my favorites from that year. And it seems like every time she comes out with something new, uh, we get something interesting. Uh, what do you guys think of this track, first of all? Um, she said that it was a bit of a uh, an about face for her, like a turn into something new. Do you see that at all? I see it. I mean, I think it, the trajectory definitely makes sense for her. I see it in terms of some of the sounds and the kind of the pacing. I, I find it similar to her early kind of 2006 stuff, like the um, Marry Me and Actor. I feel like it's definitely more in that space, which is nice. And yeah, I mean, I've I've loved watching her evolution as kind of an avant pop artist. I liked the uh, near future cult leader and the dominatrix at the mental institution vibes that she's had her words <laughs> and this uh gina Rowlands thing she's doing is i like that too it's always sort of like there's always a sense of unsettling kink somehow mm. <laughs> with all of her stuff and so mm. this is uh yeah this is great i'm loving the new sound old sound also very throwback yeah yeah and she was on snl just last night to debut the track along with the first single from her new album daddy's home which was Pay Your Way in Pain. And the first thing that struck me is just the outfits. Very 70s, like a mm. very retro look that she's got going on. Do you, so I'm not quite sure, at least as far as I'm concerned, that the sound really emulates that time period. But uh, what did you guys think about that? I think it, I definitely thought it did. Like, I remember when I was listening to it, I was telling Ryan, um, I mean, as far as the 70s that I think most people envision, no, it doesn't necessarily give off that like disco vibe, maybe, but it mm -hmm. definitely feels from that era. Like I was telling Ryan, it kind of reminded me of, um, uh, what, did, what What was the band? Shit. <laughs> oh, it was uh, T-Rex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It kind of does. It kind of made me think of like, Cos what was it? Cosmic Dancer, I think is yeah. the name of their song. Kind of made me think of that and like it. It was a different look at the 70s, I think, maybe, because, um, right, I mean, disco is still pretty huge, especially like, you know, with Dua Lipa is coming out with so many like disco sounding tracks. Um, and then you've got like Doja Cat and stuff like that. But this was sort of a different take on on that retro vibe, I think. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. I definitely got like a early, early 70s sound from it, like maybe even late 60s, like 69 going into the 70s. Mm -hmm. The drum sound is so dead on in that. And also dead has that dead drum sound, you know, that was really becoming popular. The the Ringo's tea towels on the um mm. on the drums, you know. So I really like that. And like that clavinet just feels so of that time. Little like up on Cripple Creek. Definitely hear like uh early seventies Joni Mitchell, like Court and Spark in there. I was about um, to mention Joni Mitchell. Yeah. I so yeah, I think it I think it achieved that, but it also sounds very her. And that's um that's always great when someone can, you know make a nod to an era without sounding like it's trapped in it or, mm. you know, recorded during that time. So and that's also something we brought up on the show before. Like, how do you emulate without copying? And I think mm. that she's a master of that. Her sound to me is very much her own. I think I can listen to a in, in the same way I can listen to like Fiona Apple 
or Phoebe Bridgers and know immediately like that's her. Mm-hmm. I can do the same thing with St. Vincent. It's very singular, I think. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, yeah. So the name of this album that she has coming out is it's very evocative. It's called Daddy's Home. And the way that she's posing in that picture kind of like, at least to me, infers that she is daddy. Mm. But apparently it references her father getting out of prison. Uh, (laughs) How do you see those two meanings playing off of one another here? I didn't know that. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a thinker, right? Yeah. um, Fuck. Obviously seems very like literal in one sense, but yeah, the the imagery coming with it just sort of makes it less clear to me. Um because that's what I figured too. I figured she was daddy. Yeah. And I really liked that. <laughs> I mean, she can still be daddy. Throughout her career, like people have described her lyrics as polysemous, and I think I'm mm. gonna pronounce that wrong. Which for people who don't know what that means, it's like it can mean two different things at once or several things at once, like mm-hmm. kind of teetering between happiness and madness or uh, a double entendre. I mean, like this, uh, definitely you're kind of writing a line between overt sexuality and like yeah. familial love and maybe strife there. Like, we don't know mm-hmm. how she feels about her father getting out of prison. Right. What? How do we feel about daddy coming home? <laughs> right. And even the fact that she uses the word daddy, like she could have used any other word, like that's got to be deliberate, right? Yeah. Oh, that's completely <laughs> deliberate. <laughs> Absolutely deliberate. Um, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's in her. It's tough to think of, to think about. It's her style. It's um, slightly unsettling, mm-hmm. you know. That's a really She's good. So good at... <laughs> that's a really good term for it. Slightly unsettling. <laughs> I think I get that every time I listen to St. Vincent. And she says that too. She got this quote. I really love that she said, she said, I like when things come out of nowhere and blindside you a bit. Mm-hmm. I think any person who gets panic attacks or has an anxiety disorder can understand how things can all of a sudden turn very quickly. I think I'm sublimating that into my music. Uh, do you feel like not just her art, but art in general has the power to redirect pain and anxiety in that way? Absolutely. I think so. Um, I think even when you don't mean to, like, like she said, you know, sort of just coming out in what she's doing. Like if I think if if you're an artist of any kind, you're it's going to come out, you know, in some way. Sometimes it's a lot, uh, maybe a lot more, a lot stronger in some art that people create, but it's always there, I think. Um, And it I mean, in some cases, it can be helpful for people. It helps them like work through things. In a way that, like, you know, maybe just talking couldn't do, sort of lets them, mm. sort of lets them work through it in a, in in a different way. I don't know. I don't know if the song helped with with pain or anxiety per se, but it definitely like kind of knocked me out when I first heard it. Uh, her song "Birth in Reverse," which has the best opening line ever. Oh, what an ordinary day! Take out the garbage, masturbate. <laughs> when I heard that in the car for the first time, I thought like it knocked me out. I almost that threw is, the car off the road. It's such a normal day. <laughs> The sun is shining. Give yourself a little pleasure. No, I mean, that reminds me a lot of, uh, God, um, when we were talking to Luna Aura at the beginning of the season, her song Crash Dive, where she was just like, yeah, I'm just like in bed, like masturbating and I'm a scumbag hitting up dudes. Like it's, (laughs) it's evocative, but it's also very normal. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think like normalizing sexuality and and just making it a part of like everyday 
uh, living is is in itself kind of empowering. And I wish it kind of didn't have to be empowering. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. I know what you mean. Like, like, why is it like, why does it hit so hard when when someone pre- like presents something so sexual, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I know what you mean. Like, it's a great it's great. And at the same time, it shouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, look at look at all the great strides we're making. And in the back of my mind, I'm just like, this this should have been this way all along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of like what you were saying, Ryan, just like kind of finding I guess it's beauty in a sense in in the banal. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a weird question. What is like something really banal that you do every day that at the same time just like feels so satisfying? Hmm. Making dinner. Oh, yeah. Honestly, um, like it doesn't even take me that long, but it's nice to like there, there's sort of a moment before I stop everything and decide I need to eat. And then I just like throw in my headphones and make dinner and then enjoy it. I it's one of the my, like my favorite parts of my day. That's literally the only thing I did yesterday. I was in bed <laughs> the entire day and then I got up and I made like a uh, a shawarma bowl from scratch. Mm. And that is the only thing I did. Sometimes it's like that can be the nicest thing because it's I don't know. It's it, it. You obviously have to put some thought into what you're doing, but it it can also be kind of automatic. Like you just mm. start making something, so you don't. It's not like taxing. It's can be relaxing. Even uh, it's a nice. It's a nice. Uh, it's a nice way to get like zen. Get to that neutral place. And I cook a lot, but I have to say, Pedro, like that time that you cooked me that uh, that that chicken pasta salad. Just mwah, chef's oh, that's kiss. right. That was <laughs> I forgot. About that was that. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we used to hang out in person from time to time. <laughs> we did. <laughs> This is the way it's always I've been. I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what about you, Ryan? Uh, I like getting the mail. That's a nice uh, routine that I enjoy. Ooh. People are always telling me I need to switch to, you know, uh, e-digital statements for my <laughs> bills, but then I can't open the mailbox and be reminded that somebody's thinking of me. <laughs> And see my name. I see my name in print every day, even if it's on a coupon, you know. Ah, resident. Or, or LADWP asking for their money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, even if there's nothing in there, it's a nice, it's a nice calming, it's a nice calming routine. Keep telling me to go paperless and I won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's ask another big question. Uh, about St. Vincent. Uh, mm. Originally, when she was um, like when she, she went to Berkeley College of Music for three years and then she dropped out because she thought there was too much emphasis on the athleticism of music, like how to performing it, basically, mm. like the uh, how well you're performing um, and less on like the end product of what you're doing. And she said coming out of that, that at some point you have to learn all you can and then forget everything that you learned in order to actually start making music. Do you find that this is generally the case in art or does some measure of formal training help? I think it's a little of both, but she's completely right. Like, like especially like, uh, on like acting and stuff like that, you, you prepare, you prepare, you prepare, you prepare, like a shit ton, you practice, you rehearse, you get the lines, you work out the character, everything. And then right before you go out and do it, you kind of have to forget it all and just let it take it take over. You have to let all that preparation just sort of come out. Mm-hmm. And if you've done it, it works. Like you you learn everything you need, you get it all in there, and then you just sort of have to go in and do it without thinking about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, like she's it it, it kind of goes both ways. Um, 
the formal training is always good no matter what you're doing. Why not? It's always going to help you. But yeah, there comes a point where you kind of just have to trust that it's there and that it'll come out. Some artists pride themselves in having no formal training or theory. Mm. But I think you sort of, I think there's something to the the quote, you know, you sort of have to know the rules to break them, you know? Mm. So yeah, I th- I'd probably say it's a, it's a mix of both. I think even without like, you know, the formal training, like they still like, even, even those people are, they know what they're doing. Like they're students of it. They've just sort of taught themselves and it's like, they, they, they get it all. Um, even though maybe it's not explained to them in like, you know, technical terms or whatever, but they've, they've got that learning. It's in there. They've been learnt, learnt they've well. Been learned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like you're right that it has to be a little of both, but I think that there are exceptions to the rule. Like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but couldn't like James Brown famously not like he could not read music. And when he was directing his band, he'd like use onomatopoeia to like get them to do what he yeah. wanted. <laughs> I think I think so. Uh, Tunes and Tumblers listeners, I pulled this off the top of my head. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Drew will put in a little disclaimer. Hey, guys, as you know, uh, <laughs> we <laughs> well, don't. But that's- but that's what I mean by like no, not having necessarily the formal training. Like he didn't, he couldn't give, he couldn't tell you what, an, like he couldn't tell you, you know, this is an A, this is a whatever, but he knows what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Like he knows, he knows what's going to work and what's not like whether they can say it in, you know, um, formal terms or not. They, they know what they're doing. Yeah. I think also some art forms uh, are more attuned to um, intuitive theory than others. Mm. At least yeah. as far as music con- is concerned, like music theory goes deep, deep, deep. But I think that if you want an entry point, all it takes is like a really good spark to kind of kickstart your journey. Like mm-hmm. I can see at least <laughs> if I'm going to be doing sketching or if I'm going to be doing painting and I want to do like photorealistic things and get perspective right. Like I absolutely have to go and learn that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's some art forms that that rely more on feeling than uh than anything else like podcasting we did not go to school for this we did not <laughs> is this art <laughs> i think i went someti- to, i think sometimes we make it art but <laughs> i went to the james qual podcasting college college oh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so i'm quitting right now <laughs> live Over. on the air <laughs> Man quits over Tim and Eric reference. Poorly, poorly dropped Tim and Eric reference. College. Yeah, That's see, it. We're, 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 we're done professionally. We're making art every day. Every, my, my life is a work of art, you know, every, every day, you know, people say my life's a movie, my life's art. Mm. <laughs> and tunes and tumblers. Uh, Drew has been recording it the whole time, and you can find this video as an NFT in the blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be like a looped video of Ryan saying "qualich, qualich, qualich," and it'll sell for ten million dollars. <laughs> Man, what what a great story to tell your kids! If you like, how did you make your fortune, Dad? Well, I sold a. <laughs> I sold a JPEG of a me punching a hole in the wall and it made uh, fifty thousand dollars. Oh wow! I just—it's—it's it's quite a thing to know that that's entirely possible. It—it—that <laughs> literal thing that happened. Oh my god! <laughs> How'd you get famous, Dad? Well, I was just vibing, just vi- <laughs> straight vibing, just straight vibing.
Thank you guys for a great conversation, but it's not time for us to go yet. We've been having so much fun interviewing artists this year that we couldn't help adding that element to our Century Club series. We're joined on the latter half of today's show by an amazing songwriter on a mission to make people feel better through her music. She released her debut EP only last year, and she's keeping the momentum going strong in 2021. She's racked up hundreds of thousands of streams without the backing of a label, and her latest batch of songs build on an already catchy formula. Today, we have the pleasure of both premiering her latest single, Red Flags, and chatting with her one-on-one. Tunes and Tumblers fam, please join me in welcoming Lisa Heller to the pod. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, we're all we're very nervous to have you. So um, the feeling is <laughs> that's just how it is. So red flags, red flags is a very evocative term. Like I think we've all used it in conversation on and on social media at one point or the other. It, usually to point out warning signs of trouble that other people may pose. Um, Can you explain for our listeners how you flip that narrative in your song? Yeah, so pretty much I wrote the song because um, I saw that um, a former friend, no longer a friend of mine, um, a few years ago had sent a text about me to other people saying that I had red flags. And I was very offended and sad at the time. And that was when I was in college. But after I graduated and moved to L.A. and started making music, I decided to like try to take any experience and try to turn it into music because I find that to be a really good kind of free therapy. Um, So, yeah, in 2019, I started writing this song with my friend Megan Williams and um, we kind of just didn't uh, do anything with it because at first we started writing it about like a sad song, kind of like. I don't know, feeling bad about your red flags. Um, And then I kind of revisited it recently over this pandemic um, when I was feeling stronger in who I am. And I really wanted to like turn the narrative, flip the narrative and um, make it more about, you know, like owning your red flags because we're all human and everyone has flaws and everyone has things that don't make them perfect. But Um, yeah, so I decided that it would be kind of a fun twist on the song and I'm really excited about how it's turning out and it feels really true to who I am now as an artist. That's very cool. Uh, so you said that you, um, were writing it in quarantine, partially writing it in quarantine last year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) How was the experience of writing remotely with your writing partner? So the crazy thing is my writing partner and I have been writing remotely since we first met each other. Um, She's actually based in uh, like the northern part of California and I'm in L.A. So we wanted to write anyway. We met at an ASCAP Expo in 2019 and we decided that we wanted to write together even though she's not based in L.A. So we've been writing remotely since then. So the pandemic hasn't really changed too much about our writing process. It's actually just continued to get better and better um as we've grown to know each other better and better and yeah so it worked pretty well over um the virtual world (laughs) business as usual yeah i love success stories from ascap expos those are always the best (laughs) yeah that was my only one that i've ever gone to and it was a really really cool experience (laughs) oh nice for listeners who might not know ascap is one of the performing rights organizations 
Um, we are with BMI, so um, just kidding. Um, but yeah, they collect. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> no, they collect. They collect like performing rights, basically, on behalf of songwriters. Well, that's a little bit of background about Red Flags, but it wouldn't be Tunes and Tumblers if we didn't have a pairing for it. Pedro, why don't you show Lisa here what we do best? So real quick, um, this cocktail is nice and easy. You can make it at home. Anybody listening, don't be afraid to try it. It's I'm obviously calling it a red flag. How could I not? And I want, <laughs> definitely wanted it to be, you know, redder in color. So um, it's sort of a play on a Moscow mule, actually. So it's vodka, ginger beer, and lime. Um, but then I'm throwing in a blend of cranberry and uh, blood orange juice. So it's got like some tartness to it, but it's also very like rich in flavor. It's nice and sweet. Um, and it's a red flag that you can definitely just savor and uh, snuggle up with. Get used to it. Own that red flag. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is a red flag. I love that. That, that sounds like an awesome pairing. I was actually like wondering if you're gonna ask what my favorite drink was so i was like hmm and i was thinking about it and it actually was gonna be a moscow meal so yes! that's hilarious <laughs> He's... So that's so i read funny. it I, I just i read it i knew it <laughs> pedro should you open your own like palm reading fortune teller uh <laughs> practice but it's, all, but, it's like, all just alcohol <laughs> it's all cocktail pairings like i am seeing a Moscow mule. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just like take a bunch of gar- different garnishes and I shake them up and I throw them on the table and I read them <laughs> like bones. <laughs> you know, we're joking, but this is Los Angeles. <laughs> you can make a job out of anything here. The yep. inebriated into it. That's what, <laughs> that's, that'll be your title. Love it. Don't give away all of these good ideas, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that is your favorite drink. I don't know. It just felt, I don't know. It, I, I felt it worked with it. Yeah, and I love the splash of kind of like orange and red into the drinks too. Yeah, That's yeah. So perfect. Good. So, so good. As always, Tunes and Tumblers fam, this is an audio format. And unfortunately, uh, we can't show you the drink right now. But if you go to our Instagram on Wednesday for Hump Day Happy Hour, you'll get to see the drink in all of its glory, plus the recipe to make it yourself. In fact, I think we started putting those in the liner notes. So uh, scroll on down to the bottom and you'll see how to make a red flag of your own. Yeah. Learn how to mix some drinks and impress your friends when you all get to hang out together again. (laughs) But be sure to drop our name. Uh, Have you heard of Tunes and Tumblers? Oh, yeah. That's where I got this. (laughs) All right. So... uh, Lisa, I read a little bit about your bio, and um, one thing that struck me is that you said that uh, music saved your life, which I think is a sentiment shared by a lot of people, but how specifically has it saved yours? Yeah, I think it's like continued to save my life through a lot of years. I started writing um, when I was 13, and I was just going through a lot. Um, I had an eating disorder, and I don't know, I was passing out over the finish line at some cross country races that I was running. And I was just having a really hard time, um, with stuff like that. And I also had like anxiety and depression, but I didn't know it at the time. And, um, that wasn't something people really talked about. And I felt like I didn't know how to share my emotions. Just being from a small town in Connecticut, everyone kind of keeps to themselves about that stuff, especially in high school, middle school, when you're just trying to fit in. Um, so music and songwriting became this like really good form of therapy for me. Um, I just remember sometimes I just come home wanting to like absolutely cry or sob and, um, music was just there for me and I could just sit there and 
um, write a song and just get into all those emotions that I didn't feel like I could share with other people. Um, so having that outlet, I feel like really helped me through a lot because it just let me be myself. And, um, yeah, it was just like therapy for me. And I've continued that through college and now when I'm in LA and I just think, um, I don't know what I would do without music. I think both as a listener and a fan and a songwriter, um, music has just been there for me throughout everything. When, when you started working with your writing partner, um, you know, I said, you know, it's, it's hard to open up to people and all that stuff. And so you're opening up to this person creatively, but also like emotionally, cause music can be so personal. Like, was that, was that difficult? Did it help you? Did it, like, how did that feel? The more we worked together, the more we opened up to each other and the more we realized we actually had in common. I think that even in the past like five years, people have become more open about the stuff they're dealing with mentally. And so I've started to become more comfortable talking about the fact that I do have anxiety. I do have depression. I did have an eating disorder. Um, and I think that it's really important to share those things. So um, when Megan and I first started working together, I think I was really upfront with the anxiety piece. And as we got to know each other better, I became more and more comfortable sharing about the other things that I've been going through. Um, and I think that we were able to write deeper songs because of it, because mm. she was able to understand where I was coming from and I was able to understand what she was going through as well. And I think that really helped to shape our songs and songwriting process. That's great. I think it's really hard to be that vulnerable. We've talked to a lot of artists who, um, you know, do the same thing, kind of pour what they're working on into their songs. I'm thinking specifically one of the most <laughs> emo of, of, talks that we had was with talker i don't know if you're familiar with her celeste oh, yeah. talker yeah uh, she was one of our first interviews she writes like um neo grunge pop music and a lot like her songs are just like really 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 vulnerable and uh they get very specific about like the type of things that she's going through and i always kind of like when i reach that point in listening to somebody else talk about like very intimate things it can go one of two ways it can either like i withdraw because i'm like oh this feels like i shouldn't be here like this person <laughs> is getting uh so personal like do they really want me to hear this and at the other time the other side of that coin is like oh this is me this is exactly how i feel like when you are not just making music but listening to it um how do the emotions of other people uh pouring themselves out affect you? I think that it really deeply affects me. And that's probably part of the reason why I got into music in the first place. I was always drawn towards like the very emotional type of music. Um, like my mom, I remember when I was really little and my mom was driving me and my sister around and like the radio was on and I just didn't like it. And I think it was just a very pop artist was on and I just wasn't a fan of it and she thought that I like, didn't like music and she was really sad because my parents love music mm -hmm. um, and then they ended up like on long car ride starting to play the music they listened to like the fray or even Dave Matthews um, the script the very first songs of Coldplay and stuff like that and um, I connected so much with those songs and I absolutely love them. And my parents are like, oh, she likes that type of music. So I think it's like, I don't know, instilled in me that I just love the deep, raw, emotional music. And I don't know why I just really connect with it. It 
makes me feel more emotions than just um, happy songs, which I don't know if, that, if that's like a great thing because <laughs> it's uh, like you want to be happy and sometimes it's fun. But I, I think that like those deep raw songs that talk about something really hard. Um, I just remember that song, You Found Me by The Fray, like really touched me for mm-hmm. like years and years. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this song. Um, so I think that I just, yeah, that um, I just connect with songs that do touch on a real raw emotion because you feel even more connected to the real artist and you feel like you know who they are as a person. It's almost like you're building a friendship with that person, even though you've never met them and you don't know their life story, you kind of feel like you are getting to know them. So mm-hmm. I think I connect with songs that um, do talk about deeper things. So I think that we're unfortunately coming up to the end of our conversation here, but I want to bring everyone in for a second uh do a i guess this will be a fun question or it might be a very difficult question for everyone (laughs) um i think we should take a page out of your book lisa and do a little introspection um what is one red flag you have that other people should know about (laughs) pedro's face right now oh gosh (laughs) oh my none (laughs) don't have any perfect I can probably tackle this first. I have one in mind. I really, I'm an introvert. I really, really like my alone time. And I think that Mm -hmm. sometimes, especially with um, the people that I date, like it can come across as kind of like being cold and indifferent, but it's just like, I need to recharge in order to enjoy my time with people. So yeah, um, Mm -hmm. if you want to be my friend, um, sometimes we're not going to talk. Just... (laughs) (laughs) That's that's here's the that's here's, the, here's the disclaimer. <laughs> yep, a very normal friend thing. <laughs> Sometimes we're not going to talk. <laughs> Look, it doesn't mean I don't like you. It means that like Tuesdays are Anthony's day or whatever that is, whatever day. <laughs> I'm trying to pick one. <laughs> oh, come now, Pedro, you're a great dude. Oh man. Sometimes uh i don't know red flags it's hard to it's hard to really like pinpoint your own i suppose why don't we all share red flags about each other things we don't like about each other (laughs) just kidding (laughs) how could that ever go wrong well pedro i got a few uh (laughs) (laughs) that's weird you can't think of any (laughs) ryan you've you've made you've made a list did you know that he was going to ask this question (laughs) well let me count the ways i'll (laughs) <laughs> I I probably have an annoying habit that if if I'm driving with somebody or if we're in the car like I I like to stop for th- certain things a lot like if I see a thrift store or some sort of strange place mm. we're going to stop it's as simple as that we got time to make doesn't matter we're stopping we're on the way to the uh to the uh to the wedding sorry <clears throat> there's a goodwill in this small town and we're going to go <laughs> There's a Salvation Army, and we're gonna find uh, we're gonna find a tattered Alice in Chains shirt in there. <laughs> I guess one of mine would be like I'm bad at planning things, like with someone. I'm like uh, I'm always that kind of person who's like, I don't know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> like I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. What do, I don't know. What do you want to do? What do you want to eat? I don't mind. I'm not picky. Um, so that's probably like that's probably pretty annoying sometimes. I was gonna say I like pizza too much. 
I like the, no, I like the line in your no, song about there's it. no such thing. <laughs> that is pe- not a red flag. That is a good thing. <laughs> good. Do you currently have oh. pizza boxes out, Lisa? In reference to honestly, I did um, the other day. I was making TikTok <laughs> videos, and I was like, "Oh, this actually like I have pizza boxes here. I can just <laughs> use them." Um, so yes, the song is very accurate about my pizza habits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, which red flag should I talk about? Um, (laughs) I think it's probably, I don't know. I have a hard time opening up to people, which sounds crazy um, because I just opened up to you guys. But like talking about specific things that I'm going through or like something in the moment that I'm dealing with, I have a hard time opening up about it. Um, I think and sometimes people want to know what's going on if I seem sad or upset like with my friends and I have a hard time talking about it, which honestly is why music has been so helpful. Yeah. I'd say that's a red flag. Feel ya. Mm. So listeners, now you know why you shouldn't be our friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think dating apps well, really uh, should just I think be that, um... warnings and red flag. Oops. <laughs> like your, your delay. <laughs> that, would, made. that would be really funny. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> My internet connection is unstable. I apologize, everyone. Another red flag. Red flag, damn it. You beat red me too. Flag. <laughs> Look, I have the same I have the same router that I bought when I moved to LA in 2013 and you know, it's like it's like the old jalopy that dad won't uh trade in for the for the Tesla. Like, we're going to ride this baby until the last mile. So, that's where I'm at. Old man Jenkins. <laughs> well lisa um i'm really excited for everyone to hear red flags now that we've talked about it a bit um do you have uh anything you would like to plug before we get to your song so yeah i'm really excited that the single's coming out this friday and it's premiering this week with you guys i also have two more singles after that over the next two months followed by an ep that i feel like is the strongest music that i've worked on yet and it's called is anyone listening and um, I'm just really excited to get that out into the world. And that's on all streaming platforms? Yeah, it's on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to music. Nice. Amazing. And sounds like we should follow you on TikTok, too. Yes. Uh, please follow me on TikTok. I'm at Lisa.Heller. And uh, yeah, TikTok's been slowly growing, and it's really cool. That's actually one reason I decided to release and work on red flags because people seem to really like this one and connect with it. Apparently everyone has red flags. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Uh, follow me on there and Instagram at least Heller music and all of their platforms at least Heller music. Yep. Sweet. We definitely need to get on TikTok. Pedro, when's that happening? Oh God. I don't think the world is ready. (laughs) (laughs) So many dances. Look, if you can dance while you make the drinks, I think we have something here. <laughs> oh, I don't hate that idea. Okay, we'll start. <laughs> we'll start working on that. All right, that tunes and tumblers TikTok coming soon. Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. So excited. <laughs> thank yeah, you. thanks. And thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast. Be sure to like the show and Atwood on every platform. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out so much. 
Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. And without further ado, here is Red Flags by Lisa Heller. Cheers. 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 My, my Topo Chico is empty. <laughs> Last pill from the bottom of the bottle Takes so much, I don't need water So white, I'm a little fucked up Can't sleep sometimes Wake up, I don't wanna leave bed These thoughts keep spinning inside my head But I, I kinda like them give a fuck.